0: As a child, I experienced firsthand the impacts of poverty, hunger, and homelessness on my mind, my body, and my soul, and those of my family and others in my community. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar, and the voice you just heard is that of Jamaica Mills, a writer and researcher from Texas, sharing her lived experience with food insecurity at the opening of the September 28th White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition and Health. The conference was a historic opportunity to gather in one place leaders from across government, business, civic and nonprofit organizations, academia, faith communities, healthcare, and the public at large, including those with lived experience, to lay out a transformational vision for ending hunger and reducing diet-related disease by 2030, all while closing disparities among the communities that are most impacted. But don't take my word for it. Nemours was well represented at the conference by Dr. Carol Walker, Executive Vice President and Nemours Chief Population Health Officer, and Daniela Gritali, Director of the Office of Child Health Policy. And they join us today to talk about the conference and Nemours' commitment to ending hunger, improving health, and reducing disparities. But first, let's get a sense of the landscape of hunger, nutrition, and health in the U.S., from Dr. Carol Walker.
1: I think what we know is that unfortunately this is a nation that has abundance of food, yet we see hunger and we see it among our patients, our families. Some of the statistics were really highlighted during the conference. For example, households with children have experienced statistically significant increases in food insecurity during the pandemic, before the pandemic, but also even now in 2020. 14% of households with children were food insecure. And some say that that is even increased among adolescents and adults. The Center for Disease Control reports that fewer than one out of 10 adolescents and adults eat enough fruits or vegetables. And yet we have this epidemic of obesity. 20% of young people are obese. 42% of adults have obesity. And we know that leads to long-term health consequences. Among American teens, one in four have prediabetes, one in four have overweight or obesity, and one in six have fatty liver disease. This, in younger and younger ages, leads to long-term health consequences, where we really could prevent them by focusing on nutrition, focusing on food security. I think that we really need to think about prevention in a different light. We also have seen statistics that over half of all U.S. deaths were caused by chronic disease. Which are largely preventable by a healthy diet and other behaviors like physical activity. Uh, yet we we haven't really figured out how to kind of calibrate in the right way. And then when we think about healthcare spending overall, we know we spend an inordinate amount of dollars in healthcare, and yet we're not producing health. That's a big focus of what we're trying to do in elevating population health. That no more. eighty percent of healthcare dollars are spent on preventable chronic disease, and we can do better. And so I think that was a big focus for us. We also know in Delaware, when we talk to our families, the children and youth that we serve, food insecurity has actually been highlighted when we ask about social determinants of health. Food insecurity is one of those top three issues that families have called out, even beyond our our deepest moments in the pandemic. And so it's something we continue to focus
0: on. Would you say that's the same in, in Florida? Give us a little bit of the, the landscape in Florida as well.
1: Well, we have heard a a lot from the community that's trying to come together around hunger and around food and nutrition. And certainly Florida is a place where there are a lot of agricultural opportunities. We haven't done our social determinants of health screener as widespread as we have in Delaware. So we don't have the same apples to apples comparison. Uh, But I do think that um, what we know is that there are many families who are food insecure across our nation, including in
0: Florida. Daniela, talk a little bit about policy. What is the policy landscape as it currently exists with regard to nutrition and hunger and health? Sure. So as Dr.
2: Walker uh, indicated, we've obviously seen
0: food insecurity be a major concern over the
2: past two years with growing policy attention because of the pandemic. So certainly as the various coronavirus or COVID relief packages will pass, there were lots of efforts to provide some targeted assistance to families by some increased investments in things like the SNAP program, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which was formerly food stamps, the Women, Infants, and Children or WIC program, uh, the school lunch program. So we saw increased federal attention to really provide some more targeted resources in the midst of the emergency. Uh, we also saw the Government Accountability Office did a report in 2021 where they noted that there are 200 federal efforts across 21 different agencies to improve American science. And they actually called for a federal strategy to better coordinate these efforts. So the conference really was able to kind of leverage that recommendation and come at a time where there was some increased attention from policymakers. I think the challenge that lies ahead, though, is trying to really think through how do we make some of the solutions more long term? and not just existing in the context of the emergency.
0: So as we approach, as you were approaching the conference, what was the purpose of the conference? To me, in doing a little research on this, I found out it was the first such conference since the late 1960s. Why now? Why didn't something like this happen sooner? What's the purpose? And what did the participants really want to achieve here? Dr. Walker.
1: No, this was a very impressive and historic convening. It certainly was the first of its kind organized in over 50 years to advance towards a specific goal. And I think that was inspiring, you know, to hear the goal of let's end hunger, let's increase healthy eating and physical activity by 2030 with a specific target in mind. And the goal was so that fewer Americans experience diet-related diseases like diabetes obesity and hypertension and so it pulled together an incredible array of attendees the president cabinet secretaries bipartisan lawmakers along with people who had lived experience there were farmers on the stage advocates healthcare care system leaders like like us who are trying to really innovate around food and hunger and just a, a range of stakeholders we had people who were you know cooking food and serving food and in schools and at the community level. And I think that that convening purpose and goal was incredible. It also left us a lot of room to create an action plan. And so the goal was to bring people together, not only around this vision, but also around a specific idea in the future, how we create some recommendations that we could actually implement and move forward with. And commitments that many from the private sector would make to make all of this much more feasible and reachable and, and achievable. And I I think, I don't know, Daniela, I was just in awe. I mean, we we had an amazing time meeting people who were just working on all different aspects of uh, this goal and this
0: commitment. Daniela, talk about some of the, the tasks moving forward.
1: Sure. So
2: to build on what Dr. Walker shared. The White House Conference did call for um, nonprofit and private sector and really commitments from anyone who was interested in engaging uh, to help achieve uh, the bold goal that Dr. Walker just mentioned. And they were able to announce uh, at the conference $8 billion in public and private sector commitments. I mean, that's really pretty amazing that they were able to pull that together. And we were really honored to be part of that. So the commitment that Nemours made was actually highlighted in the White House fact sheet. So I think moving forward in terms of tasks for us, it will certainly be implementation of that commitment over the next year. And then more broadly, participating in implementation of the national strategy. So they laid out all different ways that folks across the federal government and the private sector, and it really went through all different stakeholders, how we all can work together to implement this more coordinated strategy to really achieve these goals. So lots of focus on implementation over the next year.
0: And that was a huge outcome of this particular conference was the announcement of this White House strategy. Talk a little bit about that. There are five pillars of this strategy. This is is actually pretty huge. Let's take each of the pillars one by one, if we could. Danielle, talk about the first pillar, which is improve food access and affordability.
2: So this has been one that we've really worked on since the inception of the national office, improving food access. So on the policy side, we are a member of the NANA coalition, which is a group that works together. So like public health and child health organizations who come together to focus on nutrition policy at the federal level. So we've gone through a few iterations together of child nutrition reauthorization, which focuses on programs like school meals and the WIC program, the farm bill, and actually both of these bills are currently up for reauthorization. So we've continued to work together with these other leading health organizations and child serving organizations to continue to advocate for those longer term solutions. So things like more support for children over the summer to get summer meals when they don't have the meals that are provided in schools, continuing to strengthen the SNAP program, continuing to expand eligibility for children for the WIC program. So there's a lot more that we can continue to do on the policy side to expand access so that children and families all across the country have better ability to access nutritious and healthy food. And then what's so cool, I think, about Nemours and the National Office is we also have this other side that actually focuses on implementing programs. So the National Office's Practice and Prevention Team actually operates a program in 12 different states across the country where we help to create healthier child care environments. So our our colleagues work with state and local implementing partners, and they've engaged nearly 5,000 child care programs across the country to promote healthy eating and physical activity best practices. For children under five. And then when we think about a role as a health system, part of what our commitment was, was to expand our work there as well. So part of that commitment that we made as part of this conference was to expand our Nemours Care Closet and they provide food and other items to families oh. in our primary care practices. And also we work at a community level, to help support partners who provide backpack programs that also provide nutritious food. So we were working As part of our commitment to really think on all these levels. What can we do as a health system? What can we do through our policy work? And what can we do through our national practice chain work?
0: There's a lot going on, already going on. It looks like it's going to continue and expand. Pillar number two, Dr. Walker, uh, I believe, is integrate nutrition and health. Sounds like a, a no brainer to me, but it needs some work. Talk about that.
1: Well, it may be a no-brainer, but I remember in medical school, I think we only got two hours of nutrition classes
0: during all of our
1: medical school training. So there is more work that we could do to emphasize the connection between nutrition and health. And I think we also know that healthcare providers often play a role in not only counseling and linking to resources, but also trying to address some of those social needs of parents and patients. That's where we also know that many of our providers don't necessarily have all of the resources and connections around them. In fact, a, a survey of America's physicians found that only 27% of providers report drawn social determinants of health supports and capabilities. Now, we're very fortunate at Nemours that not only have we focused on obesity and nutrition for a long time, but within our primary care practices, we've developed tools and supports help identify those social needs and connect to families. We've also been really scaling this social determinants of health screening tool. So we heard under this pillar, this connection between food, nutrition, and health, but there's more to do. Certainly one of the conversations that we had was around how to make sure we are connecting to food resources, how we make sure that everyone does have the training needed to focus on nutrition and not just having food availability. And um, and then trying to address the policy solutions that would help
0: promote better health and address preventable disease. Is there anything being done about education of medical students at this point? They did talk about that. And I was really excited
1: about where that will intersect. And again, that's where kind of partnership comes in because the U.S. government, the office of the president doesn't run medical education, but there are other partners who can come together around recommendations, around bolstering where we can insert nutrition or create linkages between those who do have that background and training
0: into the healthcare setting. So I was very encouraged by those conversations. More to come. Pillar number three, Daniela, empower all consumers to make and have access to healthy choices. Tell us about that one.
2: I think that's where our org program really comes in. I think they're just such an amazing platform to provide a high quality information, but in a way that is understandable. So what part of the commitment that we made here was to publish at least 10 new articles in both English and in Spanish and to share 10 videos that will have health and nutrition related content. So that way we're really able to leverage both the content expertise that we have at Nemours, but also the communications expertise to really help make that high quality information more available to parents and and to families across the
0: country. Pillar number four, Dr. Walker, I think we're going to have you answer this one. Support physical activity for all. Yeah, I think this is, again, seems like a
1: no-brainer. Everyone should have access to safe, engaging physical activity. And so there were conversations as part of this pillar about how to elevate that access and make sure that we're addressing inequities that have emerged around physical activity, around extracurricular activities, around making sure that Everyone has something they can engage in. At Nemours, part of our Center for Disease Control funded work out of the national office has allowed us to create a training package on physical activity best practices in early care and education settings. This is just one example of our work and growing interest in launching sessions. So the physical activity learning session, our PALS, has had growing interest since it first launched four years ago. It's active in 12 states. It will kick off four new states in the next nine months. We're really proud of this commitment and our ongoing work around elevating physical activity.
0: And you talked about inequality in availability of physical activity. Expand on that a little bit. I'm curious about that. I mean, it's easy for, for me to say I'm going to go out and take a walk, but that's not always easy if you live near a busy highway or in a neighborhood where it's maybe not safe to walk alone.
1: Yeah, we're seeing a growing divide even in adolescents from different racial and ethnic backgrounds and gender differences. For example, if you look at Black American girls, they tend to be less likely to engage in sports and physical activity as early as age 12. I think it is related to these access points where you live, where you learn, where you play, and, and it's not infrequent to hear about a playground that's not safe to to go and enjoy or where we see a difference in the availability of sports activities after school programming across racial and ethnic groups. If you look at the data for Black teenage girls, we actually see a reported huge divide and gap between them reporting being physically active and their white counterparts. So it starts early and then predisposes later in light to other long-term health consequences or likelihood of continuing to engage in exercise. So We did hear some of the really innovative programs that are intended to close the divide, to find ways to engage young people in all different sorts of activities, as well as the other end of the the age spectrum with older seniors who may be more likely to be at home. So I was, again, very encouraged. Some of these are just new ideas, ways to bring people together, ways to engage the national parks, you know, uh, other local resources that we just don't think of in the same way.
0: And Daniela, I think pillar number five really speaks to your, your policy strengths, and that is enhanced nutrition and food security research. Talk a little bit about that and how Nemours is participating in that.
2: Sure. So I think on the policy level, uh, really looking at the Farm Bill as a source of potential innovation. They have the ability to do demonstration projects as part of the SNAP program. So we'd love to see some more testing and demonstration of the impact of increased ability to incentivize um, the purchase of healthy food without limiting benefits and to see what that might look like and how that might be able to enhance, for example, the number of vegetable purchases that families can use with SNAP with benefit. So that's policy example. On the research side, I'm just always so impressed with the breadth and depth of research across the Moors. So just in learning more about this topic, I learned that we're engaging in studies related to uh, the treatment of children with significant obesity and type 2 diabetes and using classes of drugs to help improve diabetes control while also supporting weight loss. Um, Of course, we have the Nemours Healthy Weight Research and Wellness Clinic as well. And one of the things that they're doing is they're testing an integrated approach to addressing the psychosocial determinants of obesity. And they're actually doing that in rural Delaware, um, in, in Sussex County, and they're they're partnering with community organizations and primary care clinics. And also, again, leveraging the Nemours app. So there's that use of technology, again, that we're always able to, to leverage and to bring into our projects. So I think a lot of exciting research happening
0: across the enterprise. As a bit of an aside, I'm wondering, what is it like being in the room with the president of the United States? That's got to be a heady experience. Talk about that a little bit.
1: It was, it was amazing to just see leadership. Again, it was a bipartisan, engaged audience of champions and well-known, you know, experts, leaders, stakeholders who are all focused on hunger, nutrition. And as Daniela mentioned, Namorous has been at this table for a long time. And to see new friends and old friends come together was, was really inspiring. I, I don't know how you felt, Daniela, but you've been. Doing this advocacy work on behalf of Namoris for a long time. I I didn't say I've only been at Namoris two years. I mean Danielle has seen us evolve. We've done Let's move. We've done significant work around focusing on physical activity, nutrition for kids for for many years. Danielle,
2: yeah, just sharing similar reflections. It was definitely an honor to attend, and for me, it really was a full circle experience because when I first came to Namoris, the first issue that we worked on was the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act, which was the older version of the child nutrition bill, the one that was signed into law in 2010, that is still the law of the land. And we were working with the first lady at the time, Michelle Obama, on letting child care and trying to set up appropriations for the program that I described that supports obesity prevention in 12 states. So when I first came to Nemours, this was the singular issue that we were focused on. And now just to see the evolution all these years later of Once again, a renewed policy focus on it and lots of national attention to an issue that really has such important health implications. It's just it's heartening to see that there's still so much energy. It's a little bit daunting to see how much work we still need to do, but it's exciting to see that there's so much of a focus now on the role of the healthcare sector and how we all can really contribute.
0: And this entire effort really does speak well to the Well Beyond Medicine initiative here at Namor. So where do we go from here? What are the next steps? I was so honored to be
1: there and to see this historic commitment to eliminate hunger, starting early, committing to elevating nutrition and this intersection between health nutrition and hunger. That's not just about do you have food? It's about the quality of the food and how that helps us create not only lower healthcare costs, but also a healthier population. And I think that is a big focus for us at Nemours. How do we move well beyond medicine? How do we move into a place where we're focused on health and and not just what happens within our walls? And so I was very encouraged that the next steps would be this continued momentum and that we would also focus on the fact that no child should be hungry in a nation where we have so much wealth, so much expertise, so much food.
2: So just building on that, I I was equally energized. I think there's definitely policy opportunity moving forward. So we will continue to advocate for strong programs in child nutrition reauthorization and the farm bill. We've also started a group called the Whole Child Health Alliance, which is really thinking holistically about what are all the different things that children need to support their health, their development, relationships with their caregivers. So I think moving forward, we're really excited to see that implemented and to continue to see how we can build these cross-sector partnerships to support the health of children and the health of families. So I'm very optimistic. I'm very energized and just really excited to continue to work with Dr. Waffer and the rest of the team across the national office, the BDSL. Nemours Kids Health to implement our commitment and to continue to do our part to really go well beyond medicine.
0: Daniela Gratali is Nemours Director of the Office of Child Health Policy and Advocacy. She was joined in conversation by Dr. Kara Walker, Executive Vice President and Nemours Chief Population Health Officer. The Champions for Children podcast explores the big stories that affect all of us and gives a voice to the people who make our associate talent base so diverse. We know there are always more stories to tell, so let us hear what stories you have or would like to hear on the podcast. Just email us at podcast at That's podcast at Thank you to our production team this week for all of their support, Jay Parker. Cheryl Munn and Rachel salas Silverman. The Champions for Children podcast may be found on Namours Net, the Namours Now app, your favorite podcast app, and your Smart Speaker. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turners Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Dr. Kara Walker and Daniela Gratali, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for joining us for this edition of the Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all that you do for the children and families we serve.